this time we have a prayer for the offering and sort of point that all out. But uh, since I'm the only show you guys apparently get this morning, since uh, for some reason we uh, uh, set that up this way, I'm just going to sort of move forward into the sermon. I hope you have your bulletin there and that uh, you can see the outline that's there in front of you. And um, I, uh, I made an acrostic uh, using the word thanks because it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend and thought that we could start by uh, uh, starting to just kind of fill those in right there. And um, uh, maybe you have a pen and you want to write uh, the first, the T, the T in the acrostic there. And the spirit of Thanksgiving, the T stands for, are you ready? Thanks, no, it doesn't stand for Thanksgiving. The T, the T stands for tact, tact, T-A-C-T, tact. The T stands for, it says, so write the word tact in there. This is what the word tact, here's the definition of it. The ability to appreciate a delicate situation and to do or say the most fitting thing. The ability to appreciate a delicate, to appreciate a delicate situation and to do or say the most fitting thing. Doesn't that sound basically like the definition of social media? And that's just kind of what that sounds like. The ability to appreciate a delicate situation and to, uh, and to say the most fitting thing. No, no. Just for the record, that does not sound like social media at all. That doesn't sound like social media at all. Social media, what social media does is it allows us to say things that we would never say to somebody's face, right? People say things on social media that they would never, they'll hide behind their screen and they'll type or they'll text or whatever that case may be. They would never say those things to you directly uh, to your face, uh, face. And so I believe that we need more tact. We need more tact in our culture, right? We need more tact in our culture. Anybody agree with me? We need more tact in our uh, culture. You know who was really, really, really good at tact? Jesus was really, really good at tact. They were always trying to trip up at Jesus. They were coming after him. They trying to accost him. They tried to trip him up. They tried to make him look bad. And, and so they would even arrange the situations in order to make Jesus look bad. Remember, the Pharisees go out and they catch this woman in adultery. And they bring this woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. And they say, put her right in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what the law is. You know the law. You know the law says that because she was caught in the act of adultery, she should be stoned to death right here or right now. What do you say, Jesus? And, you know, wow, you know, I, I can't go against the law, right, Jesus? You know, and, and so then how does Jesus handle it? Uh, Jesus, you know the story. Jesus bends down. He starts to ride in, in the dirt on the ground. And one by one by one, the accusers all go away. And Jesus looks up and he looks at the woman and says, where are all of your accusers? They've all left. Well, if they're not going to, I won't accuse you either, he says. And go and leave your life of sin. No, no, you wish you were that good when it was come to, thing, you know, in the workplace or whatever. He said, man, I'd love to have the kind of tact that Jesus had. Jesus had so much tact. They come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? I mean, that's kind of like work, right? I mean, doctors, they, that's working on the Sabbath. You, you can't do that because everybody knows, Ten Commandments. Uh, remember the Sabbath thing, keep it holy. Can't, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? What's Jesus do? Oh, you guys. He said, is it wrong to be kind 
right? Is, there, is it wrong to do the? Is it law? Is it law wrong to do something kind for someone on the Sabbath day? And they're you know so tactful. They come up to Jesus and they say things like, "Okay, uh, you know you claim to be the Son of God, right? You you think you're the Son of God, and and we we all know we're the good Jews and we we're going to worship God, but we also know Caesar's he's looking right around the corner and he's got the whole Roman Empire right there. So what do we do? What do we do? Should we give money to Caesar or do we give money to God? What's your answer, Jesus? What's your answer? You know, Jesus, he says, he says well, how about this? You, you give to Caesar what's Caesar and you give to God's what God's. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, wait, wait. If we say that Caesar's God, then, then the Romans, you know, if we say that Caesar's not the God, the Romans are going to come in and they're not. You know, and so and Jesus so tactful, so tactful. Jesus had so much tact. He was so good. Our culture needs more examples of Christian tact. I know that I'm very grateful for the tact that Jesus shows to me. I know I'm all over the place and I'm wrestling with this and not doing that. Jesus comes along and he just says, hey, Steve, come on, come on, come on. And tact, tact. The T stands for tact. When you woke up this morning and you said, Thanksgiving sermon, yahoo, right? What's T going to stand for? You had no idea, right? And tact, write tact down, tact, 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 okay? Here's the next one, H, H. Don't write the word happy because that's not what it stands for. H stands for habeas corpus. H stands for habeas corpus. Write that down, words right there on the screen, H-A-B-E-A-S-C-O-R. R-P-U-S, habeas corpus, write down habeas. What is habeas corpus? Here's habeas corpus. Habeas corpus. Uh, Habeas corpus is a resource in law through which a person can report an unlawful detention or imprisonment to a court or a judge and, and request that the court order the custodian of the person, usually a prison official, to bring the prisoner to court to determine whether the detention is lawful. Aren't you glad? Uh, aren't you grateful for habeas corpus? I mean, you guys know what it's like, right? Uh, you're out and uh, you get arrested, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you're in jail and uh, you're, it's very uncomfortable being in jail. And, uh, and you know, the, all of a sudden the jailer comes around and, and uh, you know, you say, I need to see the judge, right? And he says, oh, no, you're going to stay in there. You know, you're going to stay in there until you rot in that grave. You, you guys know what that's like. And uh, you, so you're in jail and, you know, and, and you're trying to get the jailer's attention and say, I want to go see the judge. No, no, you so you get your tin cup and you're banging it against the bars back and forth, you know, and finally the jailer comes out and then you get to say to the jailer, habeas corpus. And then, oh man, he just said habeas corpus. That means now I get to go see the judge. I have been unlawfully detained and, 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 and you know, habeas corpus, habeas corpus is awesome. I'm just so thankful because they, they, they can't, they can't keep me in there. They, they have, they have to let me and go and see the judge. And you, you guys know, right? Habeas corpus, aren't you? Aren't you? So maybe, maybe you guys haven't been in jail. <laughs> uh, I haven't, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not thankful for habeas corpus because uh, maybe you've not been in jail, but have you ever been held prisoner by guilt or shame or grief? Have you ever been held prisoner by your past? Or regret. 
you been held prisoner by angry anger? Have you been held prisoner in your life by bitterness? Have other people wronged you in such a way? Have you done something that you feel so much guilt about that you're sort of trapped inside of that? Have you ever felt prisoner to rage? There is somebody that wants to hold you in that cell. And that is a devil. That is Satan. Satan wants you to believe you're stuck there. You can't get out of that situation. No matter how hard you try to get rid of that addiction, you're always going to be an angry person. That person hurt you so bad, you will never recover from that. The devil wants to hold you prisoner. But we have the right to yell out, habeas corpus. Take me to the judge. I want to know what the judge has to say about the accusation that you are bringing against me. Aren't you thankful for habeas corpus? We have the right to call out to God and have our case heard. And the captor, Satan, knows you are being unlawfully detained because he has already been defeated. When you are in Christ, you have been set free. When you are in Christ, you have been set free. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 8 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Sometimes we let other people live inside of our head. And we listen to their voices. You're not good enough. You should have known better. Sometimes we let the devil live in our head. And we believe the lies that he is telling us that you could never be forgiven for that. We call habeas corpus. Take me to the judge. I want to know what the judge has to say about that. And God looks down and says, nope, forgiven, set free. Habeas corpus. We need to have tact. We need to know this. We need to understand habeas corpus. And we need to share habeas corpus because of the letter A in the word thanks. What does A stand for? Think of an A word that you might be thankful for. And every time I think of a letter, a word that starts with A that I'm thankful for, I think of the word acculturation. Acculturation. Don't you think of that a word as well? A, acculturation. That's the first one that comes to my mind every time. What does acculturation mean? It means the blending of culture. It means the blending of culture. And uh, so here's the question that we have to ask ourselves is, uh, uh, what will this culture look like? What do I want the culture to look like? In order to better understand acculturation, you need to know how to make chocolate milk. And so how do you make chocolate milk? Uh, you take a glass of milk. There's step one, right? You get a glass of milk. And then you get that Hershey syrup, right? That luscious Hershey syrup. And you, you, you take that and you just put a little squirt. Just a little bit in there and you mix it around. And then you watch as that white milk it just kind of has that little tiny light, a little, little bit of brown kind of gets mixed in there. And you go, mm, not yet. And you go, bloop. 
You put a little bit more in there and you stir it around and it becomes a sort of that, that perfect brown color, that halfway blend between that dark, dark chocolate and that white, white milk. And you look at that and say, oh no, uh-uh, I want chocolate milk. And then you just go, when you just stir that thing around. And about the time the milk is the same color as the Hershey syrup, then you know you have made delicious chocolate milk. You have to know how to make chocolate milk if you want to understand acculturation, the blending of culture, because the question is, what do you want our culture to look like? If you want more Christ in our culture, we must add more Christ. People would be transformed by Jesus and they would change the the culture they would change the culture when they were transformed do you remember the woman at the well Jesus approaches the woman at the well. Scholars say she's most likely a prostitute because she was there during the middle of the day. And Jesus walks up to her and says, give me a drink. And she says, well, you know, what are you going to get a drink with? And, you know, and, and, uh, and who are you to be talking to me and all these things? This is my forefathers. They dig this well and all these things. And, and Jesus says, well, I, I know who you are. I know all about your past and all your things that's going on. And she's taken back. And she says, how do you know all these things? Clearly, you're some kind of a prophet. And, and he says, well, I, I want to give you living. I want to give you living water. Living water is what I want to give you. And, and it begins to explain to her and unpack this idea that she can be forgiven from all of her sins and that she can have a Savior. And, and she begins to take all of this information in. And, and she knows my life has just been changed. And according to John chapter 4, verse 38, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. The woman was changed for Christ, went back into the community, began to tell everybody and chocolate syrup the culture began to change more christ into the culture more christ into the culture and the culture changed because what happened the guy you remember the guy oh the guy living outside of town they had to try to chain him up because he was always going crazy and Jesus goes out to talk to the guy that had been possessed by the demons and he had supernatural strength and fight people goes up to Jesus goes up to him and says uh, to the demons to leave and sends them down into the pigs and the pigs go and run and drown themselves. and Absolutely 100% changed the life of this guy. So what's this guy do? The guy says, hey, Jesus, I want to go, go wherever you go. I want to I follow you. I want to be one of your disciples. I want wherever you are. And Jesus says, no, you, don't come with me. You, you're not going to do that. He says, you're going to do something else. Luke chapter 8. The man from whom the demons had gone out began to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. They changed their towns. They changed their culture Because after they had encountered Jesus, they went back and they inserted more Jesus into their community. Our world is in need of cultural change. And that is why 
We must be N. N. T. Tact. H. Habeas corpus. A. Acculturation. N. We must be nascent. Nascent. N-A-S-C-E-N-T. Nascent. What does that mean? Nascent. Coming into existence and beginning to display signs of future potential. Sort of like the, the, the nascent economic recovery, it starts and then begins to grow and begins to build. And having been baptized, we saw so many people in their brand new faith. Their faith was nascent as it began to grow. Synonyms for the word nascent are just beginning or budding or developing or growing. Our faith, our faith in Christ is to be ever nascent. It is to be ever nascent. Not stagnant, not tired, not rigid, but budding and developing and growing. That's what we see take place over and over and over again in Scripture. Remember the guy named Saul that wanted to go out and he hated Christians because he thought that they were against God. And so he was zealous for God and he wanted to stone the Christians and was there at present at the stoning of, of Stephen. And, and so he's, and then God gets, gets a hold of him. And Jesus stops him on the road to Damascus and he, he blinds him and pulls him off his horse and says, no, life's going to be different for you now. And he gives him uh, this newfound relationship with the guy that he didn't think was uh, the guy. And he starts to follow Jesus and we see him take off from there and it grows and it buds and it grows and it's nascent. And it just keeps moving and growing and growing and growing. It's a nascent faith. And then we saw the same thing. It was a little bit different. Remember Peter in the book of Acts chapter 10? Uh, Peter didn't have any problem with the Christians. He liked the Christians. He was one. Uh, Paul didn't like the Christians. He became uh, one. But, um, but uh, Peter, he was the guy that said, no, Christians are good, but it's those Gentiles. Those are the bad guys, right? And then and then God sends a dream to him. He has a dream and says, you know, you can participate in all these things. And he says, listen, the Gentiles are good too. And so it was a growing and developing, even after the day of Pentecost, growing and developing and growing and developing and growing and developing and growing and developing. Remember, remember God sends oh, Jonah into Nineveh? says, I don't like these people. You know, I'm going to tell them anyway because I tried not to tell them. But God put me in the belly of that beast. And, you know, and so here he was. And after at the end of the book of Jonah, Jonah goes up and he sits on the hillside and he sits back and he wants to pout and he wants to watch God destroy them. But God didn't destroy them. He was still teaching, teaching, teaching. Nope, I'm going to be involved with those people, and you're the one that needs to be taught this lesson. It was nascent. It was ever-growing, ever-developing, ever-budding. This may be hard. It's hard to keep growing in your faith. It's easy to be stagnant. It's easy to fall into routines and just kind of do the same thing over and over again. And That's why K is required. K is required. K is the word kowtow. Kowtow. Work that one into a sentence today. Kowtow. Kowtow. Right? What does kowtow mean? Uh, kowtow. Uh, act in an excessively um, subservient manner. To act in an excessively subservient manner. Yes, my Lord. Your will be done, my Lord. That is to kowtow. Um, and uh, Here's the thing. God is calling us, listen, 
God is calling us to tactfully share that we have been set free in a culture that is dismissive of God. You got that? God is calling us to tactfully share that we have been set free in a culture that is dismissive of God. And it's hard, and that is why we must kowtow. We must humble ourselves and do this job. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Ephesians 4 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. David wrote in Psalm chapter 95, Come, let us worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. We are the people that need to tactfully communicate that we have been set free in a culture that doesn't know Jesus. And we want the culture to know Jesus. So we must be ever growing and humble ourselves and go out and tell people about Jesus. And when we kowtow and do what we should, we will become S. Salient. Salient. We will become salient. Particular, particularly noticeable, striking, or, rev, or relevant. They are of salient character. They are of salient character. You know, there were people in the Bible that were of salient character. They were particularly noticeable. People took note of them and they said, huh, I want to be like that guy. Uh, do you know that Jesus, even when he was a child, had that kind of character? Jesus, even when he was a child, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. People looked at little old Jesus when he was just a young guy, 12 years old. Man, he's got his act together. He's noticeable. We, we should be, you know, paying attention to this guy. He was of salient character. He was probably going around very tactfully telling people that they could be set free, right? And that we could change the world that we live in if we were all, you know, nascent in our faith and we moved forward. And, we, and he would tell us, and you know what? And so did the New Testament church in the book of Acts chapter 2. The New Testament church has started Literally thousands and thousands of people were coming to Christ and being baptized into Christ. Why is that? They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, enjoying the favor and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The the, the community was looking at the new Christians and saying, man, they have something that I don't have. They seem to have this tact about them when they communicate the love of Christ and that their sins can be uh, forgiven. They seem to be always budding and growing in that. And, and they, they're just such kind-hearted people in the way that they go out there. And they, they're making our culture better because they're telling us about uh, Jesus. And people were noticing that about them. They did what God wanted them to do, and people liked them. Now, we are to go 
and do the same. So write those words down and put them on the refrigerator and just remind yourself we are to thank and give thanks to God. Let's pray. Father, help us to be your people in everything that we do. We need your help, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.